I trust tonight everything's well with you and yours, and I pray that God will help us uh, to be a blessing tonight from the Word of God. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 42. Job, chapter 42. And I want to give you just a simple thought tonight, and I'll not be long before you tonight here in the house of God. Job, chapter 42. And I want to start reading in verse number 1. If you're able to stand, stand with us as we read God's Word tonight. Job chapter 42, and I want to start reading in verse number 1. Job chapter 42, the Bible says this, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore taken ye now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. Now skip to verse 10, if you would, please. The Bible says this, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. Verse 16, please. After this lived Job an hundred and forty years, and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word tonight. And Lord, I ask you that you would bless me and help me tonight as I stand in this place. Lord, you know my heart tonight. I desire to be a help to someone here in the meeting. And Father, I pray that you would order our words according to your will. Father, I present myself as a vessel, Lord, that you might use me tonight. God, to encourage some heart that's here, some child of God, uh, that may be in a difficulty, Lord. They may be in a period of time of doubt and darkness in their life. And Lord, I pray that tonight would you help me, Lord, in this place, that we might open your Word, and Lord, that we might uh, teach those things, God, that you've left for our instruction. God, I pray now, would you speak to hearts that's in this meeting tonight, 
right. And Lord, you do that that you desire to do in every heart and in every life. And Lord, we'll thank you for all you do and thank you for what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we ask it. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you study the Word of God, you know anything about the life of the man by the name of Job, you understand tonight that the Bible talks about Job in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter number 2, about what a, what a good man he was. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible said God said this about Job, that he was a perfect and an upright man. He was a man that stood for that was the right. And Job was a man that even got up every day in case his children had sinned against God, and he offered sacrifice. He, he rose early in the mornings, what the Bible said. And Job and his wife are the kind of Christians that every church would love to have members just like them. I'm talking about a man that had an impeccable testimony. He was a man that was greatly blessed by God. But we also know the reason most of the time we preach about Job, the fact that we preach about him, the, uh, the example of his life that God left for us was to see and understand the great trials that Job faced in his life. You know the story how that in chapter 2, chapter 1, Satan came, presented himself before the sons of God. And God himself, this is what amazes me, and this blows my mind, that God himself looked at the enemy, looked at Satan and said, hast thou considered my servant Job? I'm talking about he held him out in his hand and said, have you thought about this child of God right here? Now, I'll tell you, that's, that's mind-blowing to me that God would have such confidence in what Job would do that he would present him uh, to the enemy. He said, go ahead, do what you want to to him uh, because I tell you, he's going to keep his integrity and he's going to bring glory to me in all the trials that he might face. I thought about how that God trusted Job with a trial. He can't trust everybody with one. Some people in the midst of trial uh, complain about God and what's happened to them. But Job, through it all, did not sin against God. But here in the story, if you read the book of Job for 41 chapters, Job is in his misery. He's lost his family. He's lost his health. And he's lost his wealth. His three friends have come uh, to comfort him. But I've had a few friends like this down through my years. They weren't much comfort. As a matter of fact, I call them the spiritual police. They show up to find out what you've done wrong when something bad happens. Can I say to you, when bad things happen does not mean that somebody has done something wrong. Job had not sinned against God, and yet great trials came his way. And for 41 chapters, there's more questions than there are answers. For 41 chapters, Job can't figure out why it's happened. He don't understand. His friends can't figure it out, but thank God for chapter 42. Amen. I, I begin to think about that. I'm preaching on this subject tonight, if I might please for just a few minutes, on some things to remember when it looks like that the devil has won. Am I the only one that ever feels like that the enemy has gained the advantage? Oh, there's times in all of our lives where it seems like that for all intents and purposes that the enemy has 
had his way and he's had his say and it seems as though the enemy has won. If you looked at all the tragedies that happened in Job's life, every one of them can be traced back to the fingerprints of Satan himself. Let me tell you something right now. The devil, if he had his way with all of us tonight, I mean, he, we'd be in a mess tonight. Amen. Thank God for the hedge and the restraining power of God. But the fact of the matter is, there's an adversary that came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he would do that to every one of us tonight, weren't for the mercy of God. But I'm glad, praise God, that in the midst of all of our battles, when it seems like that the enemy is won, I'm glad there's a God that still has the, the last word. You say, preacher, what should I remember when it seems like that the devil is won? I'll give you these and I'm done tonight. Number one, remember this. The power of prayer is still real. The Bible said Job's sitting there in the ashes and his friends have come and they don't understand what's going on. Job don't understand what's going on. And the Bible said this and all of a sudden God began to speak in chapter 42 and he told those three friends, he said, you fellas have not spoke right. You've not done right. He said, I'm going to tell you what you do. You get you some sacrifice and you make sacrifice and I'm going to put it on the heart of Job to pray for you. Amen. And there's an interesting thing that happened there. When Job began to pray, the Bible said that God turned the captivity of Job. That's an interesting word that the King James Bible uses right there. You think about this here. Job is in his prison house of troubles. Here he is. He's in the shackle of the trials that he's facing. And boy, it don't seem like there's no way he's got any power to get out of it. But thank God, when old Job began to pray for his friends, I'm glad there was a God that flung the prison doors open. And I'm glad he shook off the shackles. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but you need to understand this as a child of God. The power of prayer is still real to you tonight. There's been days when I've been in darkness. There have been days when I've been facing battles. There's been days when the trials have been so severe. But I've found it to be true. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care. Hallelujah. I'm glad there's victory found in the power of prayer. Hallelujah. I was at the church uh, earlier this year. Like I said, I've been pastor there 23 years now. And uh, uh, we were having, it was a Sunday night service, and we were going to have a communion service that night. Always a special time. And our folks look forward to that. But just always a sweet spirit. God just blesses that. And we had been in the prayer room with our men that night before service time, so I didn't get to come out and greet folks that had come in. I came right out of the prayer room, went straight to the pulpit. When I got in the pulpit, I looked back over the crowd, and when I did, I, I saw two or three visitors, and I looked over on this side, and I saw a man and woman. And when I saw them, it about blew my mind because I've known this man my entire life. As far as I know, he's not been in church. He's, he's older than I am. He's probably 62 years old at least, or 63. And as far as I know, he hadn't been in church other than probably when he might have been a little boy. They may have taken him to church a little bit as a little boy. But as far as I know, he hadn't been in the house of God. Now, his wife, uh, she, she professes to be saved, and I believe she is a saved woman. Uh, but anyway, I saw them sitting back there on the pew. And this man's always been real critical, uh, real skeptical. And uh, I thought, man, this is huge. And I said, I don't know what's going on, what prompted this. But I, I, 
I looked around that night and I began to think. I said, oh, Lord, I hope we don't uh, scare him off. I hope we, I mean, we're having a communion service. That's a different type of service. And I said, I, I mean, this is probably the first time he's been in church. And I don't know, uh, ever since he was a little boy, probably, I don't know. And I said, I hope we don't scare him off. We had the service that night and God blessed it in such a way. And uh, and when I dismissed the service that night, the crowd got to mingling out. We had a pretty good crowd that night. And I didn't. they got out, and I didn't get to shake hands with them. I didn't get to talk to them. And uh, it really troubled me because I, I, I knew how epic this was that they had come that night. And uh, so I got home. When I got home, I, I contacted his wife over my computer, and I, I sent her a message. I said, uh, I said, I'm sorry I didn't get to talk to you tonight. I saw you all there, and I said, I just wanted to... Thank you for coming. And I said, uh, I just hope we didn't scare him. And I called her husband's name. I said, hope we didn't scare him off. And she said, oh, no. She sent me a message back. She said, oh, no, preacher. She said, uh, no, you didn't scare him off. She said, as a matter of fact, going home, said, we got to talking about that service. And said that this is what he said to her. He said, you know, he said, when I was a little boy, my granny used to take me to the church over there. And he said, I remember them having them services. And he said, matter of fact, my granny used to take the grape juice for the communion service. And I thought about how good God is that a man that hadn't been in church since he was a little boy, and now he's 60, probably 62 years old, he walked through the doors of the house of God, and when he does, something happens that reminds him of an old grandma that took him to the house of God and reminds him of an old grandma that helped even prepare for the Lord's table at the house of God. I began to think about that. What a merciful God it was. And then his wife said this, and this is what really blew my mind. She said, Preacher, you didn't scare him off. She said, But Preacher, I've been praying for 38 years that my husband would come to church with me. And she said, Tonight, for the first time in 38 years, he walked through the doors of the house of God. I, I thought to myself, no doubt in 38 years' time, there's been days where the enemy looked like he had won. And the enemy said, You know what? What's the use to ask him to come? And what's the use to keep praying for him? But the fact of the matter is, I'm glad that we serve a God. When it looked like that the enemy has won. Hallelujah. I'm glad God has the last say. Don't get discouraged tonight just because your prayer hasn't been answered. You may have been praying a long time. You may have been trying to get them to come a long time. But hallelujah, just remember this. Every time you get discouraged, you remember Job chapter 42. Amen. When God heard the prayer of Job, He turned the captivity of Job. Amen. And I'm glad God gave victory in Job's life. Amen. Just remember this. The power of prayer is still real. Number two, remember this. When it looks like the devil is one, the purposes of God are still right. I wish I could tell you I understand everything God does, but I don't. There's times when good people suffer trials that it breaks my heart and I'm like Job. I've got more questions and I've got answers. I don't think like God. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. They're higher than me. And I've heard people, well-meaning people, down through the years, somebody be going through a trouble or a trial, and the well-meaning, they're trying to comfort them. They'll say, well, now, brother, God knows what He's doing. Well, we know that to be true. But there's a few times I'd just like to say, yeah, I know God knows what He's doing, but I sure wish He'd tell me what He's doing. 
You ever feel that way? There's been a few times I said, I know you know what you're doing, God, but I ain't got a clue what's going on in this situation. I sure wish you'd help me understand what's going on. And Job for 41 chapters probably felt the same way. He said, God, I don't understand this. But you get to chapter 42 and Job makes a statement. He begins to talk in chapter 42. He said, I uttered things, he said, throughout this whole process that I understood not. He said, I didn't even know what I was talking about when I was talking about it. He said, he said, and God, he said things too. This is the word he used. I don't know if I'd use this word to describe losing my children, losing my health, and losing my wealth. But Job said things too wonderful for me. In other words, Job said, Job said through this, uh, through this trial and through this difficulty, he said, God, in the middle of all of it, uh, the most difficult, difficult days of my life when I thought I was going to die, when I didn't think the sun would ever shine again, when I didn't think I'd ever get the joy back in my soul. He said, God, I realize now that you were doing something in me and for me, that that's the only way you could do it. And now, God, I understand that you were doing some great things in the darkest days of my life. Hallelujah. I hate to be the bearer of mad news, but most of the time we're not cultivated to be great Christians on the mountaintop. But it's down in the lowland and down in the valleys and down in the discouraging days that God molds us and makes us into His image. Hallelujah to His name. Just remember this, even when you don't understand it, I'm glad the purposes of God are still right. Hallelujah. I had a dear sister in our church a few years ago. She was in her 40s, early 40s. And uh, she was... a Precious church members, she loved the Lord, and she got diagnosed with breast cancer. And, of course, she went through the whole thing, the treatments and all of that, and uh, trying to fight it off. And, and it got to the point that everybody there, and she realized, and everybody else did, the doctors did too, that she was losing the battle with breast cancer. And I remember one Sunday we were there at the church, and she was sitting over on this side of the building we were having one of them services where folks began to testify and brag on how good the Lord had been to them. And I remember that day somebody stood up and said, Preacher, could I testify? And I said, Sure. And uh, somebody stood up and said, I just want to thank the Lord. said, My test came back good at the doctor this week. And I just want to thank the Lord and thank you all for praying for that. And we rejoiced with that. And we rejoiced in what the Lord had done. Somebody else said, Preacher, I want to brag on the Lord. said, I don't thank the Lord. He gave me that good job that I've been looking for. said, I've been trying to get a job, and God gave me a good job, and I want to thank Him for that. And, and we rejoiced with that. And all of a sudden, she was sitting over on that side. She had a little hat on her head where she'd lost all of her hair, where they'd given her the, uh, the chemo, and her hair had fallen out. And she stood up, and she, with tears streaming down both cheeks, she looked. She said, Preacher, can I testify? I said, you sure can, Miss Trudy. And, she's, and, and I was interested in what she had to say. She said, these are the words. I'll never forget this. One of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard in my life. She said, preacher, and tears streaming down both cheeks, she said, I want to thank God for my cancer. Now, let me tell you something. I'm interested when you're thanking God that your report come good, back good, and I'm interested in when God blesses you with a new job. But when you stand up and say, I want to thank God for my cancer, I'm interested about what you got to say about that. 
And that she stood there with tears streaming down her cheeks and she said, I want to thank God for my cancer. Because without it, she said, I would not have gotten to know Him in the intimate way that I know Him now. She said, Preacher, I knew Him before. But she said, now in the darkest days of my life, I've found Him to be close. And I've found Him to pick me up when I couldn't walk. And I, I felt Him to encourage my head. And, and I understand what the psalmist said when he said, He's the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, praise God. We may not always understand why things happen like they do. But just understand this. When it looks like that the devil has won the victory, just remember this. The purposes of God. God are still right. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, praise God. You say, preacher, what else should I remember? The power of prayer is still real. Don't give up praying. The purposes of God are still right. Number three, the presence of God is still revealing. What do you mean by that, preacher? Job is talking in chapter 42, and he says this. He makes this statement. He said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. He said, I've heard all about you, Lord. I'd heard about you. But in 42, he says, But now mine eye seeth thee. Joe wasn't talking about his natural eyes. He was talking about that spiritual eye. He just said, Mine eye. He said, Mine eye seeth thee. Let me tell you something right now. When you start seeing God in the middle of your troubles, business is about to pick up. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes the enemy wants to make us feel like he's abandoned us and forsaken us. But hallelujah, I'm glad it's still in that blessed old book. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll go with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Hallelujah. I'm glad in the darkest days, in the lowest valleys of our life, there's a God that somewhere standing in the shadows, you'll find him there. Hallelujah to his name. Amen. I was in a meeting last year in Atlanta, Georgia, at the first of the year. And uh, I was down there. Matter of fact, some of y'all remember it on TV when the ice storm hit Atlanta. I was there scheduled for a three-day meeting in the Lawrenceville, Georgia area. And uh, we got one night of the meeting in, and, uh, and the ice storm, a little bit of ice came, and it shut down the whole city of Atlanta. It was like Armageddon down there. Those, those people can't drive down there, and they do it real fast. I mean, they just... <laughs> I mean, I, here I am, a hillbilly from the mountains, and I'm going out to a convenience store that day, and everybody's losing their mind. They're shutting down everything early. And and uh, fellow said, looked at me, said, "Have you heard we're going to get some snow?" They were only calling for just a little trace, you know, just enough. And I said, I said, yeah. And he looked at me, he said, "You ain't from around here, are you?" I said, "No, sir." He said, "Where are you from?" I said, "The mountains." He said, "Oh." I said, where I'm from, we measure snow in feet. We don't measure it in inches. We measure it in feet. He said, you probably think we're crazy. I said, yep, you got that right. Amen. But anyway, I made fun of him. I went out and washed my car that day down there. Amen. Everybody else is preparing for Armageddon, and I'm out washing my car. Amen. But anyway, we were there, and uh, we got shut down. The meeting got shut down. Nobody couldn't get anywhere. All the roads were clogged with people who had abandoned their cars and different things. And my wife and I were in a motel room there that the church had us in, and I'll be honest with you, we had been facing some difficulties, some things that had come against us, wasn't anything we had anything to do with, but just some things that had us very discouraged, me and my wife both, 
some of those days, and I know that's hard for people to believe that a preacher gets discouraged or his wife would get discouraged, but I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Your preacher will get discouraged as well. And there'll be days his wife will shed tears. And I remember that night, it was one of those times we were going through some battles and struggles that uh, really we had no control. We couldn't, we couldn't change it. We couldn't fix it. You know, you get to facing those things. And it was one of those times where it just seemed like we both did a lot of crying. And we was in a motel room that night, and we was, I, I was there to preach a meeting, and I was trying to be a help to God's people, and we got shut down in that. And that night, I was, uh, my wife had finally went to sleep, and we was just both so discouraged. And I was laying there trying to think I couldn't go to sleep. And uh, y'all don't know a lot about me, but down through the years, the Lord's blessed me to write a few songs. I've been writing songs for almost 20 years now, and uh, it's almost therapeutic for me if I can, if when I'm going through things, I just I just write, and sometimes it helps me. Uh, it just I guess it's just therapeutic for me. It just gives me a sense of healing when I can write how I feel. I wasn't planning on writing a song that night, to be honest with you. I was just I was just trying to find some relief, and I I got up. I didn't want to wake my wife up that night. Up, she was in the bed, and I walked. I went into the restroom area, the motel room we were in there, and. Uh, I was just in there talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know how bad I'm hurting. My heart's broken. God, you know. you know." And I said, Lord, we, me and Mama just need some help. We just need you to encourage us a little bit. And I got to thinking. I said, Lord, I've got to have some relief from this. And I thought, I had a piece of paper and pen. And I, I thought, I'll just, I'll just try to write how I feel. I'm just going to write down how I feel tonight. It was 2 o'clock in the morning in a motel room. And I started pinning words down, and I don't know, you may have heard it on the radio this year. It's a song that I wrote called, I Found a Faithful Friend. The Inspiration Quartet recorded it, and it's been out all across uh, the nation on radio this past year. I, I had no idea that night that that was going to happen, but I was sitting there in that motel room, and these are the words that came to me. When the hurt goes deeper than the deepest place, your heart is ever known when you're standing in your darkest trial and it seems as though you're standing all alone when the tears fall down like bitter rain and you're wondering if the sun will shine again in the midst of disappointment look around you'll find a faithful friend he's walked through my darkest valleys shining light upon the lily by the way he has picked me up and help me when I thought I could not face another day. And when my heart had stopped its singing and my mind was simply searching for an end, I can tell you by experience I found a faithful friend. I'm glad tonight that I can tell you like Job. Job said, in the midst of all my troubles, when it seemed like I could couldn't find you. He said, Now God, mine eye seeth thee. Aren't you glad that there's a Savior that said He'd be with us? And I'm glad in the difficulties of life. I'm glad, hallelujah, He'll be there for you. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that. Just remember, the power of prayer is still real. Purposes of God are still right. Presence of God still revealing. I like this one. The plan of God is still relevant in your life. 
sometimes when the devil gets in something, he blows it into a million pieces. And in the human realm and in the human way of thinking, there's no way in our mind that we can ever rise from that defeat. We can ever have any semblance of victory again in our life. In Job's life, just to look at on the surface, he has lost everything. He's lost his health, he's lost his wealth, he lost his family, even his wife. <coughs> even his wife, in chapter 2, she said, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? In chapter 2, she's talking about death. In chapter 2, she said, Job, it's been a good run. God's been good to us, but just go ahead and curse Him and I'll pick out the tombstone and we'll have a nice little ceremony. Just go ahead and get out of your misery. And see, that's humans' way of thinking. Because they could see nothing beyond where they were at. Sometimes the enemy convinces us that what he's done to us is the finality of our life and there's nothing beyond that. But you see, He's not the one that gets to make that plan. He's not the one that's in charge of your life. And even though the enemy might say, dig the grave, he's going to die, he's done now, God might say, oh no, I've still got a plan for his life. And, I, and it's still relevant no matter what the devil's done. He, he would say, but it's in a million pieces. And many times I see people spend a lot of their energy trying to put broken pieces back together. When all the while God don't want you to put broken pieces back together, He wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants to give you new hope and a vision for your life. And God's able, hallelujah to His name. I thought about that. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? The plan of God. You see, in chapter 2, she's talking death. But in chapter 42, you know what the Bible said happened to Job after they thought it was over? He lived 140 more years. I think God still had a plan that was relevant in Job's life. Even in the midst of the destruction, even in the midst of the downturn of Job's life, God said, oh, no, 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 don't do it. He ain't going to curse me. i got a hundred and forty more years I'm going to bless him with. Hallelujah to his name. Some of you may feel like, well, it's over. The devil's making victory laps around my home and uh, waving the victory flag, and it's done. We're, there's no way we'll ever rise from this, and we'll never uh, go beyond this. i got news for you right now. If God's got a plan, there ain't enough devils in hell to stop him from instituting in your life. Hallelujah. <coughs> I don't know about you. But I'm glad the plan of God is still relevant. Then last of all, and I'll give you this and I'm done. When it seems like the devil's won, remember this, the prosperity of God's saints is still his reward. <coughs> the Bible said Job was the greatest of the men of the East in chapter 1. I mean, everybody knew that. I promise you this, if there's one man in Knoxville, Tennessee, that's the greatest as far as financially, most everybody down in Knoxville could tell you probably who he is. Probably the most wealthy fellow in Knoxville. I don't know who he is. But I know this, when Job lost it all, they knew it too. Some of them probably thinking, there ain't no way. A man can't naturally recover from what Job's lost. He's lost everything. But the Bible said the funny thing happened in chapter 42. He began to pray for his friends. And then all of a sudden some people started comforting him. All of his brethren and sisters came and 
Bible said they bemoaned him. And then they took up the strangest offering that I've ever heard tell of. Bible said they all give him an earring of gold. Every one of them took off. I said, you can take that offering today up in the average Baptist church. Everybody there, men and women both, just put an earring in the offering plate. Amen. 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 We're living in those days. We can take that up in most Baptist churches in these days. And the Bible said that God then began to bless Job's life in a way, and this is what I like about it. The Bible said this, God blessed the latter end of Job. I get excited when I read that because I know I've experienced the blessings of God in my young life. I've experienced the blessings of God even in middle age. But now I'm getting closer to the latter end. And I'm glad that I serve a God that don't forget about you when you get toward the latter end. Isn't that a blessing to know? And Job, here he is at the latter end. And God blessed him with twice as much as he had before. Hallelujah to his name. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God's able if he wants to bless his children. However he wants to do it, he can do it. And hallelujah, I'm glad the enemy may have looked like that he gained the victory. But when we read chapter 42 of Job, we understand tonight that God is the God of ultimate victory. Hallelujah. I'm glad that defeat is not final if you're a child of the King. But I'm glad God's able to help you tonight, no matter what you may be facing. I don't know what you're going through tonight. You may not be going through anything, and if you're not, I'm thankful for that. But you may be here tonight, and you know somebody in your life, maybe somebody you love that's gone through a great trial. And it seems like, for all intents and purposes, that the enemy has gained the victory. Just remember this tonight. Thank God for chapter 42. It's not over till God says it's over. And I'm glad He's able tonight to help us. Let's pray.